0: or Conversations That Matter, which is an online program from the McKinney Center, a community arts center that operates under the town of Jonesboro in Jonesboro, Tennessee. We are partially sponsored by the Hogan Action Grant from the East Tennessee Foundation. And the McKinney Center is located in the Booker T. Washington School, which was a black grade school from 1940 until integration. Um, typically, we record at the Gillespie building in Jonesboro, which is named for Elmer Gillespie, an alumnus of the Booker T. Washington School. Uh, but tonight, we're in the pottery room at in the McKinney Center. So if you hear the kiln running in the back, and that's why. Um, the views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entities they represent. Um, and this program is to help us learn about people in our community and hopefully be nice one another. And I'm Sky
1: McFarland, And I'm Brittany Butler. And I'm Michelle Truce.
0: Yeah, so today we're looking at um, a podcast from last year in February of 2021. And um, Brittany was one of our guests. And your friend, Sarah, what was her last Sarah name? Sanders. Sarah
2: Sanders. So y'all got bios of those folks. Do you want to read those real quick? So I'll read Brittany's. A great Tennessee resident, originally from New Orleans, L.A., Los Angeles. No. <laughs> Brittany Butler is married, has three kids, ages 10, 6, and 5. Brittany works at ETSU in the Department of Chemistry as a lecturer. She is the past president of Junior League of Johnson City and has served as the organization's chair of their first ever diversity, equity, and inclusion task force. She is also an active member of Pulson Valley Unitarian Universalist Church in Ukraine. I can't believe you didn't say you're like working
0: on your doctorate. I, was, I don't think I was at this that? point. Oh, that's yeah,
1: funny. I know, it's like crazy, it's been a year. Um, and Sarah Sanders is a Kingsport, Tennessee resident and transplant from the Midwest. Sarah Sanders is also married with two kids, ages 10 and 6. Sarah stays at home assisting her kids with the virtual school this year. She is an active member also of Colston Valley Unitarian Universalist Church and quickly became involved with committees and activities. One of her biggest involvements is as a co-director for the annual summer camp that's loosely based on the Harry Potter series. She also teaches comprehensive and inclusive sex ed through Our Whole Lives, or OWL, program in the church. What's
0: Sarah up
1: to now? That is a great question. So she's actually taking some graduate courses in, like, theology and stuff. So... We both served on our minister search committee to find a new minister for HVUUC, and just through that process and seeing other ministers and folks talk to um, our members, she just really got interested in that, and so she's taking some courses and still hanging out with the kids and doing more community, um, trying to do small groups with the church and stuff, so...
0: That's great. Yeah. That's
1: great. And I'm in graduate school now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I had started by this point. So, that's funny. yeah, Yay, that's great. That's that is great.
0: Well, what did y'all think about this one? I mean, Brittany. <laughs> To, you can
1: confess you didn't go back and listen to yourself talk I, so I it's funny it's I mine. do not like the sound of my voice <laughs> nor do I like to watch myself on video um which is funny it says now all of my classes are zoom recorded um and so I've had to go back and watch some of those and it's awful because I make faces like you never have to wonder what I'm thinking you know so I always make faces or um, don't have much of a filter when it comes to things i probably overshare as well so I don't like to go back and, and see those things but, well, but I remember. Also, this
2: has to be one of the funniest uh, <laughs> sessions we have ever had I Loved it. I laughed, laughed, laughed Art. So hard. Uh, Caitlin is one of the co-hosts, and I had to stop the video, the, the, the review of this video, and uh, text Caitlin and yeah. just talk about, you know, missing her and, and how life was going. But this was one of the best. I really, really believe one of the best we've done. Yeah, it was good.
0: I loved you talking about... Um, well, We end up having this conversation a lot, actually, but I loved hearing about how your kids interact with their race yeah. and how they deal with that information and kind of how they are learning about it and how they kind of say, it, it's, it ends up being funny things about yeah. you know, the family members and figuring out who's what. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's, 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 they come up with some sayings, kids just pick up, any and everything, and you wonder where did they get that from. So they have some interesting ways of describing different races and <laughs> yeah. and talking to different people. They they you know they know differences, but they kind of I would hope be more accepting of just diversity in general. They've been um, you know when we go to New Orleans a lot, that's a much more diverse place, and so they see the full spectrum.
2: Yeah. I know Sarah has, has uh, children too, or maybe one son. I'm not sure. Two, two sons. Two. Okay. Yeah. And uh, she was sharing how her one of her sons described some of his uh, his the diverse classmates, and oh, yeah. it's just just again, it's that innocence of kids that right. uh, that they share their views of others, right. and uh, I think we could all keep that innocence it would be great.
0: I also liked Sarah talking about how she had to learn about the 45-minute goodbye in the South. South.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you get a real sense of the difference in cultures from the Midwest. I'm not really familiar with that culture as opposed to the real true Southern culture. So yeah, that was good. And it comes back to that
0: same idea also that we've had multiple times where we talk about in the North... You don't talk about racism as much because you're like, well, that doesn't exist here, or you know, you think they think it's over. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the South, we end up talking about it a lot more, um, and I thought that was interesting to think back. Over the past year, we've had that conversation mm-hmm. a few times, which has been interesting
2: too. Right. I I loved hearing how you guys described the differences between living in. The north, or mm-hmm. I think uh, Sarah was in uh, Illinois versus mm-hmm. living here in, in uh, the south, in right. Johnson City. I thought those experiences were pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, and I can't remember if I brought it up or not, but we were, I probably did, living in Ohio for mm-hmm. some time because it's, mm-hmm. you know, still scarred from that experience. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I also
0: enjoyed the conversation a little bit about. Um, how much blackness do you have, how do you need to have to be black? Oh,
2: um, yeah. Is your mom calling you? She is. Uh, she knows what are talking about. do you
0: need to start mentioning
1: it in the podcast? Like, keep track. Brittany's mom calls every time. She's a uh, She must have spy on my phone. Room. She's, she's a got too. Yeah. Uh, and
0: then the other thing... Uh, two fresh things from, I can't believe this is already over a year ago, but talking about January 6th because it had just happened, mm. and also talking about um, the equity board in Johnson oh, City right. and kind of what y'all's reactions to that was, I um, that
3: was over, a year ago already. Um, and...
0: And we you don't said listen. it was low hanging fruit. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That was
1: great. That was great. And that
0: hasn't changed. Right. That's something sad. we
1: still don't have one. So, but yeah, it's
0: really good. Um, those are just the highlights. So you all should
2: go listen to all of it and enjoy the ride. It's great. Very funny. Lots of <laughs> great laughs. Great information. Thank you, Sky. Hi
4: everyone, hope you're all doing well this evening. I'm Caitlin Yarbrough. And I'm Michelle Therese. And we are your co-moderators for Conversation That Matter, Conversations That Matter, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we are happy, happy to have some wonderful guests with us tonight. This will be a great kickoff for the 2021 year. Uh, we have Sarah Sanders. And Brittany Butler, and we're going to ask you all to tell us a little bit about yourselves. We can start with you, Brittany.
1: Awesome. Um, my name is Brittany Butler. I am originally from New Orleans, Louisiana. Moved to um, Chapel Hill, Chapel Hill, Church Hill area in 2009 um, from Chapel Hill. and was here about three years. My husband works at Eastman Chemical and I am also a chemical educator at ETSU. We left for about three years, moved to Akron, Ohio. And then we were lucky enough to come back in 2017. Um, And I say, I'm never leaving again. I am in gray now and we have three kids and my husband's still at Eastman, I'm still at UTSU, and we're just busy um, trying to stay sane during these COVID times.
4: <laughs> totally understand that. Yes,
1: that's awesome. All right, Sarah, please tell us a little bit about yourself.
3: Yeah, um, I'm from uh, Illinois, Indiana area, Midwest. Um, I grew up there. Um I met my husband online, though, and he is not from out there. He's out from Wise, Virginia. And when we got married, um, we chose to move out here because there was no way that he was going to live any farther than than Wise, Virginia. Um, Definitely not from a farther than Kingsport. I've been here ever since uh, about 2011. um, And he works over at HMG. And I stay at home with my my two little ones um, who are doing virtual school this year. Um, It is not exciting. It is where we are, though. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I hear you on that. I have a son doing the same thing. So how
1: do you guys know each other? Yeah, so we met each other 2017-ish or yeah. 2017-ish at Wholesome um, Unitarian Universalist Church. Um, I was looking... For my husband and I were both looking for a community that we could kind of raise our kids in so that they could have um, an answer when they were, not so politely, where they go to church every week, so we wanted to give them an answer, and so we found Holson Valley Unitarian Universalist Church, um, and that's where I met Sarah, and um, we just- did a lot of the uh, religious education together and the adult education
3: classes. Um cool. yeah, uh uh yeah, that sounds about, about right. I know that um our kids are doing the same families group stuff um also. So we did a lot in there. Uh I think I taught your little one uh in sex ed a little bit and then COVID happened. Um and now we're on a we're on the same committee. Um so has definitely meant that we do a lot more talking now because of that.
2: <laughs> That's good. So you guys are at a, a church that I think a lot of people would find a little different in this area. Do you ever hear that the, the universalist church is a little different? Or if you tell people where you go to church, here in this area, do they kind of look at you from the side? Or is it pretty well received?
3: I kind of actually avoid talking about it. I'm kind of like I kind of dodge around the question a little bit, to be honest. Like, oh yeah, I, we went to church, and I don't want really to talk about it because I don't, I don't know how comfortable I am talking about it. Sometimes, although I think I, I think that's changed in the past year or two, um, and I've been going since like late 2016. Mm-hmm. So,
1: yeah, I would agree. Um, within the last year or so, I have definitely been more vocal about my attendance. Not that I. Same thing, not that I didn't, you know, agree with it or like it. It's just sometimes you're just tired and don't want to have the conversations. Um, and it is a little bit difficult to get the entire just down in 20 seconds kind of thing. So, um, but yeah, in the last year or so been much more vocal because, I mean, it really is just so open and welcoming of every and anything that, um there's nothing too out there that's not welcome at this place. So now, you know, we're trying to do a little more um, activism, if you will, or um, just making it more known that we're out there. Oh,
4: yeah. That's cool. I don't know that much about the Universalist Church. I was raised by an ordained minister and mm. church of God, I say two steps from snake handling. It was intense. Um, so I did not, it was not open. We'll say that. So I'm very excited to to learn a little bit more about where you worship in, in this church and your relationship. This mm-hmm.
2: is cool. Yeah. I do a, a program out there. I see Cindy Hassan. Hi, Cindy. With Cindy uh, a couple of three years ago, and and I think it's a wonderful church. Uh, it's if if I I'm I do not attend church on a regular basis, but if I did, it would be that church. Yeah, I think it's pretty amazing, and it's it's very different from a lot of the typical churches in this area. So,
1: and I'll say when I first started going there, it was like this running joke. They did not judge me when I would show up, and four months later, because of the. <laughs> or anything that was going on when I showed up those three months later it was like hey how you doing and I would be able to drop off my kids at the nursery and then when I was leaving they would say see you in six months I was like yeah you got it (laughs) it was totally just so easy to fit in there now we're obviously more regular attenders but there's there was space for that too so
3: and I like I also grew up um my dad's also a minister, um, and that was actually really hard to go into a new church because, I mean, I'm biased. My dad's the best minister, um, but like going into this church and being able to to get back that connection of like being able to sit down and stand up and sit down and sing hymns and do all the very nice church formal things while also feeling like accepted and being able to to move that out into the community in a very activist way was was exciting. So
2: that's great. That's great. So both of you guys have moved into Johnson City, uh, Washington County, we'll say. Um, how was that so very different from where you came from? I know, Brittany, you're coming from uh, Louisiana, via church, what is it, Churchill or Chapel Hill?
1: Um, Chapel, Hill. Chapel Hill for graduate school in All right, North Carolina. How was that migration into Johnson City, Washington County? Yeah, so I, I was raised in New Orleans, went to high school there, went to college there, and then left for the, and was the only family member in my immediate family who left New Orleans to go to graduate school um, in 2004-ish, five-ish to North Carolina. Um, and North Carolina was fine, but then my husband got a job at Eastman. And we went on the um, the interview trip, where they bring the spouse for three days, and we were in Kingsport. All I saw was that hot dog stand next to the tire place. Um, I think there's a transportation port there, or something now, depot, um, in Kingsport. And I had a full-on panic attack full-on panic attack. I was just like, oh my God, the tears, the like shaking, heart racing, um, because this is where we were going to move. Um, when I got back to Chapel Hill, I went to counseling for it. I was like, my husband's moving me to Kingsport. Um, <laughs> that much. Um, I don't even know what reference so like North Carolina, the only reference I had was like PD Pablo, North Carolina, throw your hands up. And so like Tennessee, I don't think I had any, I didn't even have that much of a reference for Tennessee. So it was just pure unknown, um, full on panic attack. We ended up in, like I said, we ended up in uh, Churchill and near Rogersville in an apartment out there. So it was interesting. It was an adjustment and
3: it was interesting. (laughs) Oh, how about you, Sarah? Uh, yeah, um, I mean, I didn't hear much about, much about the South, like, I never had gone farther South than, like, North Carolina, which I, now that I say that, is pretty far South, but, um, I didn't know much about Tennessee. Uh, I knew that the guy I liked lived out in the Appalachians, um, (laughs) and so that was really interesting, and so when I came down here, I had, like, no knowledge um, i remember one of the biggest biggest culture shocks i remember out in the midwest when it's time to leave like a family gathering i say hey i gotta go and then i stand up and i give everyone hugs and i put on my coat and i'm out the door in about five minutes end of story no one's offended there's not like any like um, oh hey are you really concerned or anything like that i come down here and i and we do that i tell matt and my kids and i'm like hey it's time to go put on my coat out the door um, apparently with my, my in-laws, it, they thought for a long time that I hated them. And I'm like, I just don't, I just don't want to spend forever saying goodbye. <laughs> and I find I've, I have learned how to lean into the the long goodbye. So, so goodbye down here takes about a good 45 minutes. Um, like you got to say like, all right, Hey, we're leaving. Oh, that's right. Let's go have a very important conversation in the kitchen. Let's go grab all the food that you made because you made us enough for like five meals, which is amazing. Um, Oh, let's say goodbye again. Let's give hugs again. Let's have another very important conversation at the door. Um, those did not exist in Illinois.
2: <laughs> so
0: I
3: that, was a, that was a big shock.
2: <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. So let's see. We have a set of questions that we typically ask. So for you, Sarah, since we have you up, at least on my screen, you're there. <laughs> um, when was the first time you met someone of a different race than yours?
3: Uh probably when I probably when I was little um I'm trying to think back. I feel like it probably would have been around like I remember that there were there were people like in my elementary school. Um and which is funny is like my elementary school was in Indianapolis, so which is which is big. And then I went to middle school in um Bloomington, normal Illinois. Um and I remember that uh my parents ended up becoming friends with a black family. Um, and they became like really good close friends with this family. Um, like I remember like we would go over and like they would watch us every so often. Um, and there was, there were definitely a few other kids in the middle school, um, but, and I would so which is funny, so I guess the first time would probably have been about when I was about 12. Um, that I can like distinctly remember having a conversation and saying, oh, hi, I'm Sarah Olson. And they'd say, oh, hi, I'm so-and-so. Um, and then talking and doing more beyond like passing in like the hallway, so. Mm
1: -hmm. Age 12,
3: wow. Yeah. Age
1: 12. How about you, Brittany? Yeah, um, New Orleans is pretty diverse in terms of their demographics. Um, However, I was always, I grew up around my family and my grandmother is, my grandmother on my mother's side is biracial. my dad, same thing. I think his mom might be biracial and we have a lot of um, lighter complected folks in my family. And then my mom sent my brother and I to a predominantly um, white Catholic elementary school. And so I grew up Roman Catholic until like graduate school. But um And so I kind of had, I don't know, different experience in that I didn't learn I wasn't white until (laughs) kindergarten. I just assumed that I was the same as everybody else in my school, K through eighth, because my brother and I were the only Black kids in the school. And my mom's lighter complected, my grandmother's biracial. And so I just thought everyone was white. And I, I, I distinctly remember coming home and asking my mom, <laughs> am I, I was like, I'm not white. And she was like, what are you talking about? A question. <laughs> and I was like, oh, why didn't, and I think I said, why didn't you tell me? Yeah. Um, yeah so I, yeah, that was my first. Uh, <laughs> why didn't you tell me? I was very mad at the time. <laughs> and if we have
2: was there a situation in the classroom that triggered you to say, what do you
1: mean? Yeah, they, um, I think, I I have this vague memory being on like a playground or something and maybe mentioning something and having people tell me I wasn't white. And then that continued, at, um, continued along, just, I, I, it was just this constant mentioning of differences. Um, anything I did, it was like, oh, yeah, but your hair is this way or, oh, yeah, but, you know you're like this, always just constant mention of differences. So you, so I never had that issue again, right? And I think it's a, a smaller version, I think, of what society does a little bit. Like they always want to remind you of the differences. Um, and so that started for me, like in kindergarten.
2: Wow, that's intense. That is. So both of you have kids. Have have your kids come home and talked about, hey mom, my friend is not b- black, they're dark brown, and I'm not white, I'm peach, or something like that. I mean. That's what I was taught.
4: My dad taught art and so before he became an ordained minister. And so it was like Crayola taught me raising like lightly shade peach, lightly shade burnt sienna. That's what I am. <laughs> it's like a nice <laughs> little cross hatching.
2: But wow. Have your kids come home with comments, especially in their younger ages?
1: It goes there. Um, my, it's funny. My oldest, my son Ethan, is ten now, and I think I mentioned something, um, and he it was, he had the same thing. I mentioned something about his Mimi, my mom, being black. And it might have been with like the Ruby Bridges thing, because she's the same age as Ruby Bridges. And so whenever they do the little civil rights talk in um, their classes, I tell them, oh, Mimi was born the same time as Ruby Bridges. So she was in a segregated school. And my son, same thing, Mimi's Black? What? You didn't tell me? And I'm just like... (laughs) they didn't tell me as much as you try to like have kids listen to you they never do um and so you know so my I should mention my kids are multiracial as well because my husband's white and so my kids are biracial um and so they so he'll go around saying that he's some black so black.
2: I like that. I'm sun black. Sun black. Passing occasionally. Yeah,
1: yeah. So he'll, he'll say that. Oh, so-and-so didn't know I was sun black, and I told him. <laughs> oh, That is yeah.
3: beautiful. That is. Yeah. Uh, I remember um, my oldest, I remember he came home, and he had in his class, and I think he still does now, Um, virtual, who knows? uh two girls who had the exact same name um but he would come home and they one was black and one was white or is um and that's how he described me he'd say oh this one with this name she's white and this one she's black or like black this girl and white this name um and we've tried to kind of have that that kind of conversation of um watching out how like we describe that but it's really kind of like tricky because I don't want him coming home and saying oh like like black Sarah and like white Sarah kind of thing like it's mm-hmm. it's such like a like I'm like I don't nah. um and I remember my my littlest uh he got from from my sister because he would asked for a baby doll so he got a little baby doll that had brown skin um and it was a boy So, which was super rare. You don't find many boy baby dolls, and you don't find many brown baby, brown boy baby dolls. And he wanted to take it to preschool, and he was going to say, I want to take my brown baby to preschool to show off. And he was three, and I remember going to the teachers and saying, this is just this doll, and we're trying to give it like an actual name. Um, but I remember that there were those distinctions of like where they look at that and they'd be like, "Oh, this is my skin color and white," and then this person is not. Um, oh, this person has black skin, or this person is brown. So there have been a few instances.
2: That's interesting. Yeah, I in my age, I you know my quick way of uh, describing people, and I actually have two friends who have the same name. One is black, one is white, and in my phone it says. <laughs> White, but <laughs> their name's Nikki. White Nikki, black Nikki. <laughs> and I love it, love it. But it's it's interesting where <clears throat> little kids see that, but it's not at all racist. Mm-hmm. It's it's crayons, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And mm-hmm. when they have the same name, how do you you know differentiate? So it's that innocentness that's I think is so beautiful. Oh yeah, There's that place where it begins to shift into okay, this is not so beautiful. Yeah, like if, so I don't have children.
4: I don't want them either. But if I did and had a child and we were at a store, like I've seen this happen at the grocery store or wherever and the child's like, mommy, she's black. Or why is she black? Or, you know, why is she brown? Whatever. And they're like, shh, we mm-hmm. don't say that. And it's like, you can say that. Yeah, why? Give them an answer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. People need to be told it's okay <laughs> to say what people are.
1: Mm-hmm. I, was waiting, I was waiting for my kids at a ballet class, and a little kid came up to me and was like, "You're black." And I said, "Aren't I lucky?" And I said, <laughs> "I'm sorry, you're not. You know, their mom. I'm like, mom. Come." But I mean, but to me, this this kid was like seven or eight, and so it's wonder. At that age i was wondering like why is that your first interaction with a person of another race again pointing out the differences um and so you know some kids i guess do have a hyper awareness to that but um yeah i just thought that was interesting
2: and i think a lot of times um it's it is this that innocent that's innocence that speaks first One years ago, I I taught with some high school kids, and I ran into one of the kids, one of my students, out in the public with her little sister, who was probably three. And the little sister was in a buggy at the store, and, and I was speaking to her sister, my student, and the little girl just says, you're brown. So she must have been maybe four or five. You're brown. And I said, yeah, look. And I said, it doesn't come off. So I did this, and she was like, whoa. And so she did it and looked. I'm like, what about that pa- fast forward two or three weeks? And I run in who fast forward, I run into the little girl with her mother who I had never met. So this woman doesn't know me, but I, that's the little girl. And she says to her mom, Hey mom, that's the brown lady. Well, her mom is panicking. Oh my God, I'm going to get beat up by this black lady. <laughs> and so I, I had to calm her down and say, Hey, it's okay. I teach your daughter. And I ran into to your daughter and your, your youngest child at the store. And I'm, I went to the little kid again. And I said, look, it still doesn't come off. And she was just as happy as can be, you know. So it, it's that first impression. She must apparently had never, ever met a Black person. So again, you know, I was like, well, I'm glad I could be the first that you meet and, you know, engage with some Black skin and know that it's fine. But it's, it's interesting with kids. It is. And then they grow they up have different opinions so all right. well you got a question we got
3: any questions online here uh let's see we've got some things here when we make- also a funny a funny story about kids innocence as well so yeah uh i have a birthmark on my neck um i don't know if we can show it but i used to have really short hair and it's this it goes all the way up to back about here Um, and I remember I ran into a five-year-old and he pointed to it and he was like, what's that on your neck? I'm like, it's a birthmark. And he says, does that mean you were born? I was like, yes, yes, it does. And we walked away, um, because I didn't know what else to say. And because I'm a little bit cheeky like that, and he just accepted it. Um, but I found it funny that he was just like, what's that on your neck, which was way better than like what adults have said, which is what's that on your neck? Is it a hickey? Mm. I'm like "Mm
2: -mm." (laughs) Mm. yeah
4: yeah so I've got a question for you Britt when you were in the Rogersville area when you first moved here was it a welcoming community for the most part or did you feel othered how was that navigating since you had a panic attack mildly
1: (laughs) did have a panic attack, but it's funny that I was raised. My mom made a—I hope she's not on here. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> made a conscious decision to raise my brother and I in predominantly white spaces because she knew that's what the world was. Right? I'm a black girl. My name is Brittany. Like, she did that on purpose. Um, and so my elementary school was predominantly white my high school predominantly white my college my graduate school um, and so I'm used to, I'm used to it in that sense um, I just wasn't used to the ruralness I think so I didn't realize how much of a maybe city girl I am I'll claim it um, because everything here is about hiking and Nature and Mount, oh, look at the beautiful mountains. And I'm like, show me a postcard that'll be sufficient. Um, my husband likes to hike, and he's like, oh, let's drive 45 minutes to go hike up this mountain. And I'm like, no. And so I bought a pair of hiking shoes, but I think I still have them. Like, they, I just bought them because I like shopping, right? And not actually hiking. Um, so the panic attack wasn't from that. Aspect and what so what I did I could not find I have a masters in chemistry and I couldn't find um, a job using my degree when I first moved to that Church Hill area and one of my friends suggested you should go work at a bank or a credit union well there was an ECU nearby the apartment and so I applied online at ECU and like 15 minutes later they called me and so I worked at ECU for like 10 months and that was the best experience because, right, the public was coming in. I was able to get to know folks. And it was just interesting working with a lot of people who had gone to volunteer high school. Um, And this was about the time when Obama was president, I think, or just got newly elected. And people were trying to come in and say, yeah, I don't know about this Obama guy. And I'm like, I'm not a sympathetic ear. Like, just, uh, they would try to, you know, so that was like the worst of it. That was like the worst of it. Just trying to, you know, talk politics a little bit. And I just would smile and because we were being recorded and just
3: say, hey, have a nice day. Here's your check.
1: Yeah, here's your, you know. All
4: so. right. <laughs> um, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Dad, you go for I was going to say, uh, we've got a comment in here, and this is something that I dealt with and being like lighter skinned, but still being, I'm biracial, half black, whatever. Um, someone says, one thing I've never understood is how much blackness do you have to have to be black? And that is a question that I have been asked. And I'm curious if you, you know, like, are you really black? You almost have to like give them your, show your badge. Like, um, it's cool.
1: No, I I've just been told my blackness doesn't count um, because I guess my proximity to whiteness or because my husband's white or. I'm, I, I don't know, right, that the stereotypical things people attribute to white people, if I liked that stuff, um, then that kind of, I feel like the black card has punch things on it, and if you get 10, you don't, like, <laughs> your punch card is revoked, um, and so that was my experience, just, it's like, oh, you like Shakespeare? Yeah. Oh, you like ballet nah, you know so um my favorite music is like oh goodness my chair my favorite music is like Green Day and um alternative music Nine Inch Nails Slipknot stuff like that um but yeah that was I didn't know rap music so that was a n- knock against me <laughs>
4: so. is a thing
1: yeah. We'll
2: do that. We don't understand it either. <laughs> well, and, and one thing about that, with going back to the question, how much Black is Black is enough to be Black? You know, I, I, there are two sides of that, because back in the Jim Crow day, or whenever it was one drop, one dot, mm-hmm. and so that part was like, you could have a quarter of a Black person in your system, you Black, Yes. but that was to deny you of everything because you black but i totally get what you're saying i mean there's kind of a joke within the black uh community sorry black people if i'm letting our secrets out but <laughs> there was a thing called you know i'm taking your black card oh and, yeah yeah and and i'm still trying to get my black card back for certain me too because <laughs> and i i'm kind of like you i mean i love classical music i love i would love to sing opera and i sing opera in the shower and You know, so there's a lot of stuff that I do that doesn't look Black. So, again, my card has been punched so much that I don't have a Black card. I know where it is. I know who's got my card. I'm getting it back. But, you know, there is a thing within the Black community of, no, you do not count as Black enough for us.
1: Well, and again, I'll go back to my mom. I think she kind of intentionally... Did that in a sense. So in New Orleans, the schools, everything is private schools. If you have any means, you go to the private schools because the public schools aren't that good. And and the motto, the unofficial motto of New Orleans is thank God for Mississippi, because on the rankings of like public school performance, at least we would beat out Mississippi um, in terms of performance. And so You would go to private schools if you could. And there were all girls and all boys Catholic high schools that people went to. And so there was an all black or mostly black all girls Catholic high school. And I told my mom I wanted to go there. And she said, no, you can't go there because you'll get beat up. And she's like, and wouldn't let me apply. So I had to go to the predominantly white Catholic school.
4: Wow, that's crazy. My parents did the same thing to me in Savannah, Georgia. Um, I went to a charter middle school. Uh, My dad taught high school and there was literally, I will never forget, there was a shooting at his high school, but Savannah's demographics, you know, it's way more, there's way more black people there than there were here, but they definitely kept me in a bubble. Mm-hmm. and but then when we moved here my dad first thing out of the moving truck was where are the black people mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he was always trying to count how many black friends i had and i was like well you brought me here you know <laughs> i didn't do this
2: to myself um i know someone made a comment up there too uh if you were reading the chat it said that they i think uh came to Jonesboro and their son was you know wondering where are the, the black folks in the town And at some point they saw a black person and and he was excited and said, mom, they do have a black person. And the mom (laughs) mom, uh, was kind of blushing, like I'm sure saying, shh, (laughs) you're you're talking too loud. But that's one of the things I do. What do you think about the, I I would say the lack of diversity in Washington County collectively. Sarah, that's for you.
3: Yeah. Um, I mean, I wish I wish that there was more more diversity, um, partly so that most of my kids would be just like generally exposed to it, um, like going to like grocery stores or in areas where um, you would typically just see people going out and doing like daily lives, because um, I know that like our area is just is one of the widest areas in in all the United States. Um, I feel like it's one of those things where I don't really know what to like do about it, but I do think that it is um, it is a thing in the area. I'm thinking on how to give a response. I'd love to hear what Brittany has to say, also. Because um, what do I think about? I mean, I wish it wasn't like that. I wish it was more diverse.
4: Have you ever questioned yourself or with your significant others? Um, you know, do we stay here or do we go somewhere that is more diverse? Because I know I have that conversation with another friend that is biracial, has multiracial children, and she's constantly like, I got to get out of here. I can't do it. I did it myself and I'm not going to do this to my children and I don't want her to go. But then I'm like, I kind of get that. So Brittany or Sarah.
1: Um, I, I. I like it here, I'm going to say. I did leave, I left, um, like I said, my husband got transferred to Akron, Ohio. And before then I thought, oh, I could live anywhere, you know, doesn't really matter. That is not true. I cannot, I need to be in the South. So the South is interesting. There, of course there's racism everywhere. Of course there's prejudice everywhere. I love the South because, you know, I've been on ETSU campus and I've been on my campus as a college student. I've had people tell me, I usually don't like Black people, but I like you. Or, because you don't have the Black card. Mm-hmm. Just rub it in, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's, that, it's that same line of, you are not like the rest. You're not like most of the other Black people. Yeah. Hmm.
1: So, yeah, you're okay, but yeah. Um, But at least it's, I feel like it's more overt. At least you know where people stand in the South. I went to Akron, Ohio, and just everyone was so unfriendly to the point where, you know, I moved up there and I would say, hey, how you doing? And it's a Northern thing. Hey, how you doing? And no one speaks right? They jump because you're talking to them in the grocery store. Or um, a lady, my neighbor, I shouldn't say a lady. I lived there three and a half years and did not speak to a single neighbor. Or I should say a single neighbor did not speak to me. Um, the kid will walk, I was sitting outside in the driveway. The kid would walk by. i would say, hey, how you doing? The mom just shush, you know, shuffle the kid away. And I'm just like, okay, whatever. Um, Just so unfriendly. And you don't really know where you stand with people. Um, And I feel like it was the same prejudice, the same sort of covert racism that exists everywhere, but you don't know where you stand. And I would much prefer to know where I stand. And I much prefer to not have snow And so I forced my husband, I said, after three years, I said, get Eastman to transfer you back to Kingsport, or I am going to New Orleans and live there. And you can try to meet up with me whenever you get (laughs) transferred. Um, And so luckily, he was able to get transferred back to Kingsport in 2017. So yeah. Yeah.
3: See, I love snow. And I i mean, I'll never be able to leave here either. Oh, man, I mean, I was born in Maine in the middle of winter, like as far north as you can get. So I need more snow. Um, but I've also discovered that like, and I don't know if this is where I moved here when I was like 22. And I just as I grew older, I started becoming more aware. Um, but like, I noticed I didn't talk about racism and all the things that just get packaged with up with that until after I moved out here. As I was growing up, it was, I'm not racist. I have a black friend. It was, I'm not racist. I've never said any bad words to people kind of thing. Um, and, and that's just something like I've noticed as I've lived here is that it just, it seems like as though we talk about it a lot more down here, um, even though it is so much more, more white. Um, I feel a lot more, lot more aware and it's almost a lot easier to point it out because I can say all these other things and you just kind of see it so
2: since um this past summer of course with George Floyd and all of that have you had more conversations with people about racism have you kind of you know had your eyes open and lights turned on with that is that what you think is leading to a lot more conversation about it or or is it people I think, like us that are making you talk yeah. about
0: it? <laughs> it's <laughs> it's people like you
3: all. Well. In
2: front of thousands of people.
3: In front of thousands. Yeah, it, I mean, there were like the white supremacy teach that I went to a few years ago that really kind of, um, I remember a comment was made that said that um, someone once taught their kids to not see color. And I think actually, Michelle, you pointed out saying, no, we have to see color. We have to, we can't sit here and say, um, to say that. And so I remember it started, to get more conversations about that, like in places that I felt safe to Mm -hmm. people within the church um, and stuff like that. And I remember over this past summer, I've had more conversations with like my family members. Um, I know both my siblings are on here. I remember having like conversations with like my parents about it. I felt a lot more confident speaking up about it on Facebook, even though I already had for a while, it really kind of just overflowed. And I was like, this is silly. We've got to start talking more often. We can't be quiet. So, um, and a little bit of, yeah, people saying, all right, we got to talk about this. And then a little bit of like starting to see it, so.
2: That's good. That's
4: good. I think it's become a little bit, well, I'm biased. Obviously, (laughs) it's a little easier to say that there is a line drawn now, especially after what happened on the sixth of like, you know, if you can't outright, you know, say the magic words, then we're gonna, you've been labeled, (laughs) you're being watched. We know it's like what Brittany said about it being overt Mm -hmm. down here. It's nice to know who's got you in their crosshairs. Um, you know if I see a crazy decal on the back of somebody's truck I make sure to put my sunglasses on real quick so they can't see me checking out them and you know I mean I've got a photographic memory I've got like two or three license plates that I've got memorized just because if I see them rolling by Mm -hmm. I'm I'm on high alert but do you
1: think that in the chat Caitlin do what Go ahead and put that in the chat.
4: (laughs) So you know who they are. I can give you a full description. Um, But yeah, do you think that um, after the sixth and just everything, the last or the beginning of this year, it's kind of just like the, I'm going to say it, the white supremacists have just, they're leaving the hoods at the house and just rolling, (laughs) they're rolling out. (laughs) I just.
1: It's a comfort. definitely a shift in the comfort level of people um, coming out. And saying this, I would say January 6th was the, hopefully the last culmination of that. But I was in Ohio for the 2016 election. Ohio is typically like a purple, purple purpley state. And just driving around to the grocery store, I would see um, mostly women on the corner holding trump signs, and I was like that's that's odd um, and then seeing people selling Trump paraphernalia and it was just like it was it was just very different. I never paid attention to politics probably before two thousand and sixteen. just you know had the thought, oh, on the local level, it doesn't matter who's in the White House, right, doesn't really matter. It doesn't trickle down all the way. But after, you know, after that election, it it changed. I think it changed. People came out of the woodworks, like you said, was much more overt with um, their prejudice and what their view of America is or what they want it to be. And that was directly against, I think, um, minorities and other underrepresented
3: groups. Oh yeah. Oh. oh yeah. I remember in 2016, like it felt like there was like line after line, there was a way that people were being mocked. And then it was the statements. And it was like surely I'm returning to my partner or like my my dad or any other people and being like, surely this is the line. And then we reached another and it's like surely this is the line. And then it was never the line. And then like the next four years happened. Um, And it felt like even like talking to people about like last year's impeachment, they were like, this is the line. This is what brought Nixon down. This is what's going to bring Trump down. And I'm like, we're not, we're in free fall. Um, And so I guess, I mean, I, I don't want, I want the sixth to be the line and I plan to not shut up about it because I want it to be the line. Um, we had, we should have had the line like five years ago was when the line was, um, and we have like tossed that line in the garbage and it's time to like, we're just done. So
4: I agree. It brought mm-hmm. a sense of responsibility to those of us that are like, are we, are y'all watching what I'm watching? Like, yeah. is this really happening? Like, I was downstairs watching Veep. If anybody watches the show Veep <laughs> with Julia Louis Dreyfus, I'd rather watch <laughs> a, a, a sitcom or a satire of the government because I was so over it. And Blake texts me. And I didn't respond. And then he called me and was like, you need to turn on the news right now. And I was like, I don't want to watch it. And he was like, no, they're literally tearing the capital up. And I was like, you are a lie. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like, okay, so who's, and now, even now people are just like, it wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. It's fine. And I'm like border, I, not borderline. There's trauma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and being here and just being like, okay, I bet you were in, I bet you were in DC on the six. <laughs> I see you, but it's nice to know that, that you feel that sense of like, we've got to have that line back. And then, you know, you both having children, it's like, what are we going to leave for, for our posterity, for the generations that are coming next? Is it going to be this kind of free for all, or are we going to have some sort of, you know, decency. Can we bring that back? It'd be
1: nice to have some. And it's unfortunate how much those, uh, you know, negative thoughts and negative um, ideas about people gets passed down. That was a serious issue. My son in pre-K would come home and say, so-and-so told me that two men can get married. So-and-so told me that you know, so-and-so is going to burn in hell or something. Oh, Hillary Clinton is going to burn in hell, pre-K. And I'm like, when did you talk about this? (laughs) Like, what is happening during your snack time? (laughs) And I had to tell the teacher, like, you know, what is going on? But, you know, he's at six years old, you're obviously parroting what your parents are saying or what you're hearing at home. And it's just unfortunate that, you know, we have such a spectrum of um, such a far spectrum from decency, I think, to where people want their kids to know that homosexuality is wrong. They want their kids to know and go tell their friends that Hillary Clinton did such and such as a pizza parlor or whatever. The Eat Babies. Babies, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, who's moderating snack time? Exactly.
4: (laughs) Nobody. Story time before nap time so you can meditate on these
1: thoughts.
4: (laughs) Ah, That is, that's funny. Um, Well, it's in the chat. So speaking of drawing the line and, and holding accountability, I am very curious to know what your thoughts are on the the talks about the equity board for Johnson City. I know Sarah, you don't live in Johnson City, and then Britt, you're in Gray, which I'm not. Is that mm, close enough, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's Gray. It's, it's a gray area. Yeah,
1: it's
4: close enough. I
1: have to put Johnson City to get some of my mail sometimes, so I figure that counts.
4: You gotta say <laughs> it's like that. It's part of the try and the try city.
1: Yeah, I it was. It was wild. I thought it was, I thought a community equity board was low hanging fruit. Like, of course you would want an opportunity to bring people together to talk about community equity. And it just seemed, and I have that night I have, you know, I'm naive in that sense that I never would have thought someone would be critical of a community equity board. Um, And so I have to, as an educator, I have to, or I guess I choose to assume that more education is needed, um, more conversations are needed. um, But I think it's a pandering to the majority to say that we don't want to make this space available for marginalized people because there just aren't that many of them. And that's that was the message I heard. So why why do this thing for a small number of people? I'm here to represent the majority. Like everything else in this country, I guess.
2: Yeah.
3: Well, I'm like that harkens back almost like an earlier question of Washington County being so white um, and it's like, well, no wonder because everyone's leaving because we aren't being you all aren't being represented um, on like the county boards or anything. Um, I remember I've, I've watched both the the video and then I rewatched the black white dialogue. Um, the recording of it. Um. I remember when I watched the commission video thing itself about the equity board, I was prepared for the statement, um, white heterosexual male not need apply. So when I got to that part, I was like, okay, here's that one. And then they got to the part where they said um, something about having to sit at the adult table. And I had to rewind it. And I was like, did you, did we seriously just compare this to sitting at the adult table? Um, it was the most bizarrest thing. It just, it was bonkers bonkers
4: so you think that's where the young children are finding out about the (laughs) i mean it all it all correlates you know and so it does i think i mean i'll say i think it's a, a very good idea obviously i mean i've been having conversations about this since last year um but you know if you've got people in the street wanting to be heard wanting to be seen and they're being instead of listening, you want to, you know, name call, make fun of snowflakes, whatever, get a job. And then to just completely just disregard all of that. And especially over what, what sparked everything. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's very interesting of how we're still having to fight tooth and nail, but in a very polite Mm -hmm. and systematic way that we can, you know, get in, get to the adult table so that we can have a conversation.
1: And and one of you mentioned that it's 2021, you know, and we're still having to have these discussions, still having to explain equity. Um, I'm also a member of the Junior League of Johnson City, And I was past president. And I'm past president this year, president last year. And I remember I was at one of the black white dialogue meetings. And there were some young African American women there who wanted to know how to get more involved in the community. And I was like, oh, have I got a thing for you? And I said, I'm president of the junior league this year. And her response was like, you're the president of the junior league? Like, kind of like they let you in and I'm like yeah I know and I'm trying to bring more but
4: it's- <laughs> we really are <laughs> <We're> <laughs> <on a phone. laughs> the door open. We're <laughs> I'm in the junior league too and you're the reason I am there I'm not even gonna lie
1: <laughs> so to your earlier point I I choose to stay I want to be I've heard Michelle talk about um you know you go to things you be seen you be visible you look for other people there and see who's in the room and invite other people to spaces to try to increase the diversity um, of those spaces. And, you know, it's there's just article after article, um, study after study, proving the benefit of diversity, yet some people still don't think either it's not necessary, or no one's interested in it. Um, And again, it's 2021, and we're still trying to fight some of these same same fights, and I think it is bringing people out more to speak more um, on these issues. Like, I never thought I would watch city commission videos and recordings. I'm 38 years old. That's something that, you know, you envision older generations doing. <laughs> um, but it's hilarious when I'm like, you know, it's like, oh, what you doing? I'm watching the city commission video from January 17th or something, and like, I should not get riled up by <laughs> you know city commission videos and just having to follow along. Um, you know, yeah, just never thought I would be would be doing that.
2: You know, you you refer to that as low hanging fruit. And that is a wonderful, wonderful analogy because it is such an easy thing. Yeah. Just to set up a board like that, in my opinion, that's easy. Yeah. You know, it wouldn't be about trying to recruit a bunch of people because you got people who are already interested. Easy, easy thing to do. The final result, great for everybody. So I like that analogy. I might use it. I'll give you credit. But that is... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. yeah.
4: So I've got a, a question for both of you, um, since we're kind of heading toward the end. Reminder to everyone: if you have any questions, uh, please put them in the chat for our guests or for ourselves, and we will happily get to them if we've got time. But um, I know that with your church you are getting into activism. Is there, do you have any calls to action? Are there any programs or anything that you want to give a shout out? Because I know I'm very interested. I've been, I've been scared. I'm going to set fire if I step into a church. Honestly, (laughs) I'm not even going to lie to you. I've asked my brother. You can can step into that church. See? And so I heard, and I'm like, okay, I'll put my toe in the water. But if there's like, I saw that there's a Zoom. I've been taking notes. I wrote mm-hmm. down the website, but please let us know what's going on
2: because yeah. I'm very interested. And full disclosure, Susan, uh, Susan, Sarah mentioned to me uh, there's a Susan on on our chat here. Mm-hmm. but Sarah mentioned earlier that we had met through uh, the UU church and, and years ago with Cindy Huss, um, we we worked several of us worked on a, um, a project called White Supremacy Teaching. Mm-hmm. And I had never been to the church. I don't think. So I googled where my my navigator. Where am I going? And it is deeply into the woods. Yeah. So my friends were like, Michelle, you're going to a white supremacy teaching in the woods. <laughs> you better let people know. But it's it's the it's a wonderful wonderful church. I have friends that go there. Uh, it really is. I I think it's. Sorry. I personally call myself. And for those folks that are very religious, please don't take offense, but. I call myself a Seventh Day Jehovah's Witness for the touch, touch of Jewish Catholicism, and okay. I truly think it's at that church. Yes, <laughs> of so, all of them around, I really do believe that. So. I'm already getting messages
4: uh, to please come to your church <laughs> <laughs> on my phone, which is why I dropped it. Forgive
3: me. <laughs> I'm gonna give it a try. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can. I can talk about this, Cindy. Oh, sorry.
1: i was saying talk about the summer camp. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I will talk about the summer camp. Um, so I'm a part of two really big things. Um, I uh, I teach comprehensive inclusive sex ed, and we can get to that in a minute. But I do a I co direct a summer camp um, with. Uh, The DRE of the church, um, which is designed to bring kids in from the community Um, and about half of our half of our students are from the church and half are from the community, and it just teaches it uses Harry Potter as a basis but teaches kids about the magic of who they are as themselves, how to use that magic. It teaches things like science. So they do like, you know, like your basic like volcanoes and things, but they also get like wands and they just get to be around a bunch of other adults who are constantly affirming and saying, you are special and you are good and you are inherently worthy. Um, and all of these like just wonderful things. And we're we're not able to do it in person this year because thank you COVID, but we are doing um, a like a kit. So that that way you could like sign up and we can send your kid something um, we're super we're super excited about it and we feel like it's something that we want to use to continue outreaching um, into the community uh, and then I know that the the owl program that is there which is what teaches comprehensive inclusive sex ed um, did it was uh I'm gonna get this wrong and our found and the founders are gonna yeah, like, what are you saying, Sarah? Um, but they, they started founding uh, Rise Healthy for Life um, using OWL as a springboard. And they started being able to bring that out into the community um, to start to end things like period poverty, um, to bring uh, contraception to all sorts of areas. Um, Cindy Haas is the one to talk to about that. So I know that she mentioned it on here, but I mean, the church has, it has a lot of activism spots in it um and i think that that's what also really drew me was that the church of activism it wasn't a church of just sitting down and standing up and singing but it was a church to get you to go out into the world and think of how you can use your like humanist values and things like that so like if i haven't burnt up i don't think you will and i don't think Brittany hasn't burnt up yet
1: <laughs> well and that's what i said i said they let me teach sunday school they did. Not only did I catch not catch on fire, <laughs> I could teach the Sunday school
3: and have it. Well, then you're yeah. saying I've we got a chance, chance. but <laughs>
4: that's awesome.
3: Your feet might smolder like a little bit, like it's a little hot on the foyer. So I'll wear two pairs of socks.
4: I'll wear some thick soled shoes.
2: Okay. <laughs> <Some> bicycle shorts <laughs> <Some> bicycle shorts. <laughs>
1: So I've been, I've been really active. I officially joined in 2018. And just in talking to my mom and everything, she she said, is that, and she knows it's in the woods. She's seen the, she said the same thing. You know, it's in the woods. And so I don't even like nature, but I still go there. So she said, is that a cult? She says, is that a cult you're going to? And I said, what are you talking about? Because she said, no one likes going to church. <laughs> <laughs> so it must be a cult. Oh, I do have a McKinney Center pen, Sky. <laughs> right. Did you uh,
2: did you steal it? It's been an okay day. Feel it? I th- I think we're gonna have to invite your mom here, Brittany. She needs to be on our show. You do this together? <laughs> can we zoom her in? We should do a mom's, yeah.
3: We can do we can do Sarah Sarah and Britney's mom. That yeah. would be <laughs>
4: I would definitely be on I don't want to moderate though I want to watch (laughs) and be in this chat box (laughs) oh goodness gracious well thank you all so much for for sharing about your friendship and your relationship and your stories and you know your viewpoints on this region and just everything I think everyone wants to be friends with you now yeah
2: I think this has been one we've had a lot of laughs and I think this month for January it was a perfect time for some laughs. February? I'm sorry, February. Oh, it's our month. It's our month. <laughs> I forgot. It's the, it's the shortest, but hey, it's ours. Right? Yes. Uh, sorry about that. So we always
4: have a call to action. But first, since it is February, uh, Michelle's got a
2: little Black history, little tidbit fact for it. Are you oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yes, I do. I just found this out today. And if I, you guys will have to fill in the missing pieces because I just wrote one word. But I think we all know Betty Boop, right? Little white girl with the hairdo, the big eyes and, you know, her dress is a little bit too short. Mm -hmm. That was characterized from a black woman. Chat people, give us a hand if you knew that was true, right? Just do us, give us a little, uh, you know, raise your hand that says, on your little
3: re- responses. I knew that was true. Makes you feel better. I did not know that until about an hour ago. See, I don't think anybody knew.
2: All right. So how about that? Look, see, mm-hmm. I didn't know. Diane Nelson, mm-hmm. she was my teacher back at ETSU. Hi, Diane. <laughs> yeah, so a little bit of information right there. Yes. Now you know, yep. the more you know. So always
4: our call to action, at least I know for, I can speak for Michelle as well, because it's step up and step out, Uh, (laughs) please do not hesitate to be involved in your community directly. I do think it is very important that you do watch the commission meetings or the alderman BMA meetings, wherever you may be. It's important to know what's going on because I think too many people take for granted that people are just, you know, on cruise control, doing what's right, and uh, it's my shoes, I'm sorry, and uh, too many times you find out like, oh my goodness, that's what's really going on, I should have been paying attention, because you could be sitting in that seat,
1: Mm -hmm.
4: so don't call me for your campaign manager, but we will support you, (laughs) but please, yes, just stay in tune, and keep your finger on the pulse, and since it is Black History Month, definitely uh, dive a little deeper into the history of our wonderful Black community and here in Tennessee for sure, and then Washington the U.S. County. Washington County. Yeah, we're sitting in Black it's history it. right now. Right, McKinney's right exactly. Center, Booker T. Washington School. Pretty exactly. cool. Diane asked
0: the
4: oh, I'm sorry, Diane. Where can we get a list of the email addresses of the city council members? Ta-da. Ooh, Diane. Okay, there you go. Uh, it's on oh. the city website, uh, for Johnson city, there's city email address anyway. Uh, so yes, <laughs> you can, you can find their information there. Um, and that is a good idea to to contact your your commissioners or aldermen or people in power. It's good to have a, a good relationship, whether it's via email or face-to-face when you're going in to pay your water bill face-to-face with a mask on, obviously, <laughs> um, when you're going to pay your bill or, what have you when you're going down to a city hall. Just make sure you're showing your face so people know that they're, hey, look, there there are brown people here. Right, <laughs> and it doesn't come off, And it won't come off.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so we'd like to thank Sarah and Brittany for our conversation that matters tonight. And uh, thank you folks for listening out there. I hope you
1: enjoyed it. You can find this podcast and any others wherever you download your podcast. Just search for CTM, the podcast, or you can go to mckinneycenter.com, programs, conversations that matter.
0: And if you want to know more about the McKinney Center, um, I definitely recommend checking out our website. We do a lot more than this. We have art classes, community events, we've got a big community play coming up, Um, In the beginning of June called We Did It Together. It's going to have some really good diverse stories in it. Um, so there's a lot to check out, um, thekiddycenter.com. And thank you all for being here, and thank you, Michelle and Brittany.
3: Thank you.
2: Thank you. (laughs) Thank you.